Good morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. David Hasegan here as always and the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, Dave. I have to put this out there in the universe right now because as much as I love our intro music and and the smooth grooves and it's kind of become a part of the show, if you are a producer out there, a guy that makes beats and want to showcase your stuff, and want to give hey. us a new intro? Hey, that's hit us up, us. ehunt at footballgameplan.com or at fballgameplan. Hit me up on Twitter with some of your beats so we can utilize those on the show. That would be outstanding. Just yeah, yeah just switch up the game a little bit. Yeah, you know, I love the music you you've picked, but you know, sometimes you, you know you want to switch it up a little bit. And we got a lot of our listeners who are very talented, I'm sure. So we oh, might absolutely. as well. Yeah, we might as well throw a few beats on there, um, folks. It's been a crazy week. We've had a ton of postponements. Obviously, our thoughts are with the people still dealing with Hurricane Florence down in the Carolinas. We hope all of y'all are safe. Um, hopefully, we'll, you know the football obviously is the least of importance right now, but hopefully we can get those games back up and running, and hopefully the football can take your minds off some of the troubles that you guys are going through right now. Um, but we had a lot of action on the weekend, Emery, that we are going to talk about. We had upsets all over the place. It was crazy out today. We had blowouts that looked like basketball scores combined with baseball scores on one side of the, it, it was crazy we've got some teams that are in trouble already three weeks in and i'm we we're, we're talking like nuclear chernobyl levels of trouble right now we'll get to all of that we've got some breaking news from craig haley that we'll have as part of the show so we'll have that as well but don't forget folks that you can listen back on all of our podcasts here all of our weekly previews on iTunes and SoundCloud, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Don't forget to check out footballgameplan.com and youtube.com slash footballgameplan, where Emery's got videos going up all the time. We know you guys are a fan. We're, we, we, we do see the numbers. They're not kept secret from us. We do see the numbers. People are liking the videos. I mean, maybe they're just maybe they're just watching for you. I well, know. I'm not in the videos. The long time I've been in the video, and the funny part is somebody made a comment about the, the outros. Like, man, you... Uh you stayed pretty consistent. I was like, well, that's the outro we filmed in week zero. And we're just using the same outro of the video. But I haven't made an appearance in the video like I have uh, in previous years because, you know, it has been easier to put out the videos without me constantly having to be in front of the camera. I can do my voiceovers, which is fine, you know, but uh, the outro is what you're seeing. And it's that was the outro we filmed, the generic outro in week zero. There we go. So I mean, a little bit of the magic behind yeah, just YouTube giving, and pulling the bringing them behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Um, but once we get, once everything starts to slow down as far as my travel schedule, I'll I'll do more features, and we'll be in the the video a little bit more. So. This guy was supposed to be down south, obviously. Hurricane. He was. This guy was at Army Hawaii this past weekend. So. <laughs> Great game. Obviously, a good win for Army there over the previously undefeated Warriors of Hawaii. Uh, Don't forget, folks, though, if you want to follow Emery wherever he goes on game days, you can follow him at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, at FCS Opening Drive, and at the FCS Kickoff. And before we get started, I just want to say that we are behind a closed door, which right now means we have more protection than Peyton Manning. So, (laughs) or Eli Manning, or any of the Mannings at this point. Giants offensive line, what are you doing to me? Uh, let's get into the games, Emery, and let's talk about some of these quick hits real quick. Some of the games that we saw uh, before Sacramento State 28-25 against Northern Colorado. Good good ball game again, and Northern Colorado's t- proving to be a bit of a bit of a hiccup for teams. Yeah, they've you know, credit to their coaches have they've competed well defensively. You're starting to see their offense try to figure things out, and they're putting some points up on the board, but I've been more impressed with how they've been able to limit an offense from really opening up the game. You look back to what week one against McNeese, where McNeese started at what seventeen nothing, yeah, and then their defense started to make plays, and that game ended seventeen fourteen. So, I love Northern Colorado's defense, and when we talk about the Big Sky, we talk about the Southland. You're kind of talking about the Big Twelve. Those that have defense will always be in play if they can find the offense to be just as consistent as their defense has been. Northern Colorado is going to be in, in good hands moving forward. Another game on the schedule. This was going to be an interesting game. It was going to be a pretty telling game, too. Duquesne, though, 31-26 over Dayton. They just hold on in this one. This was shocking to me because Duquesne struggled with Dayton throughout. This was a back-and-forth game. And yeah. credit the Flyers for going out there and competing. Uh, but once again, y- you can only keep good players down. And they have yeah. tremendous playmakers. Great game by uh, Daniel Parr, the quarterback. I love how he bounced back and was able to have an outstanding performance throwing the football but defensively, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Duquesne. Definitely. Uh, Columbia, first week for the Ivy League and a good start for the Lions. 41-24 over Central Connecticut State. Big win for the Lions, but maybe some trouble in Central Connecticut. That was another shocking score to me because I do like the quarterback, uh, Dogala, for 
Central Connecticut State. I thought this game would be closer, maybe even a Central Connecticut State victory. But credit Columbia, fresh legs went out and they, you know, hit the ground running in their opener. And Dogala had a decent game too, just no help, no help around him at all. Albany had a bit of a scare against Morgan State. They only went 30 to 27. Morgan's defense is excellent. Had a pick six again. You know, this defense finds the ball and brings it back uh, for touchdowns. Their offense started to have some some fight. It, you know, yeah. that was the most impressive part. If, and again, they're going to be going into the meat of their conference schedule. Morgan State's defense is good. Their offensive line is good. Uh, I know they can run the football. If the passing game can get up to speed and the passing game can be consistent in there every game and not be one-dimensional, they had a nice big play in the passing game against Albany. This is a good football team, and I think they're starting to turn the corner as far as finding that balance. And if you have balance in the MEAC, you're going to be a problem. And the one last game, last week's FCS Stats Game of the Week, McNeese versus Nichols. It's McNeese again with the win, but again, it's a tight scoreline, 20-10 over Nichols. B.J. Blunt, the former safety, now outside linebacker, weak side linebacker within his McNeese State defense, is outstanding. This guy filled up the stat sheet last week, was all over the field. And this was a game that... obviously it was a stats game in a week but I like it because it's two really good football teams in the Southland Conference Mm -hmm. that that play defense they can run the ball they have good quarterbacks and I found out during the broadcast that his name is actually Tabari and not Tabari (laughs) there we go so we learned a lot last week we got a lot of pronunciation yeah we got a lot of pronunciation corrections uh, throughout the course of this past week Uh, shout out to Craig Haley for helping us out with that um, and I, we even helped him out with yeah, Dari. Yeah, you know, exactly. They, so, but Tabary is, James Tabary is the quarterback for McNeese. But B.J. Blunt was a story here. And I love how they went to Derek Ham um, to close out that ball game. And, and I think that's the the key there. You know, David Ham. I'm sorry. This is a guy that I thought was going to be the lead dog coming into the season. Obviously, they got guys back healthy. They have a three-headed monster back there. And they were able to dominate the run game, dominate on defense, Really curtail what Nichols wanted to do offensively. Big game for, for McNeese, and they have an even bigger game this upcoming week against a team that is probably going to be on upset alert mm. uh, in BYU. Absolutely. And let, well, let's talk about that because we talk about upset alert. There were upsets galore in week three. Usually, we're, you know, we get these at like week 10, week 9 or so when you get into the conference play. But you had top 25 teams going down all over the place. And let's start with a team that you were very high on. You've been high on for the, like the last year or so, and that is Mercer. Solid, solid uh, squad. They had a tough test with number nine, Samford. You know what you're going to get from Devlin Hodges, but Mercer, the defense showed up, and they got some offensive help. They went 30-24. to 24. Big win for the Mercer program. They've been close the last couple of years against this Samford Bulldogs team, and T. Mitchell, the running back for Mercer, did a great job. Went over 100 yards last week. And I think, again, Bobby Lamb is a really good coach. He's recruited guys for that program, for their system, and have done a great – they've done a great job in in developing guys. And this could be that landmark victory that a team like Mercer needs to really turn a corner in the SoCon. Remember, they came up from the Patriot – not Patriot League, the Pioneer League, came into scholarship football, now starting to get their their sea legs underneath them. Uh, I want to say this is their third or fourth year in scholarship football. And I like the matchup because, again – Stanford is the the quintessential big dog on the block, so to speak, in the SoCon, right? right. They have the high-powered passing offense. They have the quarterback that's a Walter Payton Award candidate. Um, but we saw his turnovers creep back into this ball game, and that really was another big difference and the reason why they lost. But credit Mercer's defense, their running game, which is what they do well. And, you know, shout-out to Bobby Lamb for doing a great job and having his guys fight through adversity, come out there ready to play, and get the victory. And you talk about Sanford now, obviously 0-1 in their first conference game. They're behind the eight ball already because East Tennessee State's got a winning conference. Chattanooga's got a really good team together. They're 1-0 and 3-0 and uh, so far this season. Wofford's 2-0 in conference play. Sanford almost has to be perfect the rest of the way if they want a shot at winning the SOCON. Yeah, they look a lot like New Hampshire right now. You're New Hampshire Wildcats as far as, <laughs> you know, Maybe we'll talk about both of those teams later in, maybe, the, you know, in a second. But, yeah, you're right. Sanford has put themselves in a bit of a situation this early in the season. I think it's a hole they can get out of, though. I think Sanford, it's a hole they yeah. can get out because of what they can do on offense. But only time will tell. Let's talk about let's talk about the CAA. Now, there were some <laughs> wide-open conferences last year. The Patriot League was wide open. The Ivy was wide open. 
The CAA was pretty much decided. JMU ran away with it, and then it was a brawl from second all the way down to, like, sixth. Mm-hmm. We're looking at that again, because Towson, we've talked about them the last couple of weeks, but how are they going to perform against a top team? They beat Villanova 45-35 in an absolute quarterback duel between two schools. This CAA, you could have seven or eight teams winning it right now. Tom Flacco has been phenomenal for Towson. Where has he come from? Like, why in the world did <laughs> like you can't find the scholarship money to keep him at the FBS level? Well, FBS has lost the FCS game. I mean, and it's been Towson's game as well because of what he's brought to the passing attack. And I was glad to see Shane Simpson go over 100 yards. He was right at 100 yards rushing. Yeah. He's their big-time playmaker that was hurt last year. And you see balance now from Towson, something that we haven't seen from the Tigers in quite some time. So this is a dangerous team. There was a hit in this ball game that was probably the best football hit I've ever seen. It was a clean hit, and it's probably going to be clinic tape for why they're going to probably eliminate kickoffs, you know, eliminate, you know, yeah, yeah. that part of the game because the, the returner didn't see the guy coming, and he hit him ran through his chest. It was explosive. <laughs> was, that, was that the crack that I heard about, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock? Yeah, that, 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 that was it. Because that, <laughs> that right there, both guys were, were kind of shaking up afterwards. Um, but when you look at this game and you look at the score, I think that's probably more sh- shocking than the actual upset yeah. from Towson, the fact that they put 45 on this Villanova defense. In the CAA, where the defense is usually pretty good. Right. And, and on the flip side... You talk about Bitnarzik, 389 yards passing. That's something that we don't normally see from Villanova. No. So we learned a lot in this ball game, and I think this is a situation, even though Villanova lost on the scoreboard, both teams look really strong moving forward in the FCS. When did the Southland move north? That's what that was. <laughs> exactly. That, that was an absolute quarterback El, It's duel. El Nino. It's because of El Nino. <laughs> why, why are we always blaming? Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> Western Illinois. Again, this is a team that we've always, we've talked about. They're kind of, you know, they're again, they're right there. They're waiting to pop up. They popped up in a big way. They beat Montana, who's looked really impressive early in the season, 31-27. Um, Sean McGuire, though, at the center of it again, he's having a phenomenal season. And he bounced back in a big way, threw for 360 yards, and didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. We've seen him have struggles with that early in the season. This was shocking to me because I thought Montana looked to be – yeah, they were looking solid. Right. And I said this on the on the preview video that, you know, one of the issues be- for both teams was the fact that their quarterbacks were the leading rushers coming into this ball game. Now, obviously, sacks take a big part of that, but McGuire is not supposed to be leading Western Illinois in rushing. Sneed is a running quarterback, so I can understand it, but they needed somebody else to take some of the pressure off Sneed. So to see Snead once again finish the game as the game's leading rusher with 42 yards rushing, that's not going to work for Montana. Montana no. has a really good defense, and their defense did play well, but they didn't get the help from their offense, which was shocking to me because I thought with the balance that they have, they were starting to slow, especially with the injuries now at Northern Arizona, Montana was starting to separate themselves from the pack and be that team in the big sky that, hey, okay, maybe the Grizzly – the Grizzlies are back. Maybe they are that team to beat, and we could probably pin them in for the playoffs. We could still probably do that, but this was a tough loss, and this is a big loss because of of, of the out-of-conference factor, and what a huge win for Western Illinois and Sean McGuire bouncing back and having an outstanding performance. You mentioned Northern Arizona, and this is a team that, again, I mentioned Chernobyl levels of alert. It might be getting to that point for Northern Arizona. They got They didn't just get beat. They got whipped. By Missouri State, forty to eight. I mean, I get it. You, you're you're missing your top quarterback. You're losing Kukas, but this was a pounding from Missouri State. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody. They lose forty to eight, like you mentioned. Quarterback threw four intercepts, <sighs> and you like Missouri State's quarterback threw four intercepts, I believe. Yeah, Missouri State's quarterback threw four interceptions and won the game. And they won the game. So how bad was your offense to not take full advantage of those bonus possessions? Yeah. And how bad defensively? And, again, you can't put everything on the defense because if your offense can't move the ball, your defense is going to be back on the field, you're going to be tired, and you're going to give up some plays. Yeah. But four intercepts for a team who I thought's defense was the strength of the team. Yes, it was great to have Case Cookus, Emmanuel Butler, and the rest of the offense, but they were going to be the direct beneficiary of a great defense, so they were going to be able to put up a lot of points. Without Cook as that quarterback, the defense really didn't get stops in this ball game, 
And, I mean, they got four interceptions. They got four stops. They just didn't do anything <laughs> So, I mean, I just find this was a shocking score to me. Um, not because of the upset, because I know they're missing their top quarterback, who I think was a Walter Payton Award finalist. But, my God, Missouri State. Shout out to the, to the Bears. But, Geez, they really beat the brakes off Northern Arizona. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, this this was a very polite game. Oh, we're gonna take the ball from him, but here, here, have it back. Here, right? It's, it's like interceptions going back and forth all over the place. There were seven interceptions to two touchdowns <laughs> from the quarterbacks in this game. This this was that that's beyond brutal. But again, Northern Arizona. We'll, we might mention them later on in the in the program here. Um, North Dakota. Now we mentioned them. They're moving out of the Big Sky. They're an independent this year. They're moving to the Missouri Valley. But we found out again that the old saying is true that defense wins ball games. They face Sam Houston State this week. They held them to 23 points. They win 24-23. North Dakota, a massive victory. See, I'm understand. I'm trying to understand why you have this as an upset because I because picked you gave this, it to me. I, I picked this as a win. <laughs> you know, I I knew North Dakota was going to beat South uh, Sam Houston State because of the running game. Sam Houston State still has struggles on defense. Yeah, and the best all the best defense against. An offense like Sam Houston State is your own offense being able to run the football, and that's how they were able to actually close out that game against Sam Houston State. They ran the football to close it out, and the the key play, the, the touchdown to put them up, was a fourth down conversion, corner of the end zone. The guy was blanketed, but just a great throw, great hand-eye coordination by the receiver to make the catch and put them up on the, uh, on the scoreboard. Sam Houston State gets the ball back, quick three and out, and now North Dakota gets the ball back, run, 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 game over. So yep. when you could run the ball like that to close out a game, it really deflates you as a as a football team. But when you look at North Dakota playing this independent schedule, yeah, you know they're going to have to get in uh, the playoffs as an at large. They can't win the conference. This might help. This <laughs> definitely is going to help because <laughs> Sam Houston State seems to be in everybody's top five every year preseason. So I think they were ranked fifth. Coming into this ball yes. game, so now you beat the fifth ranked team in the nation. You have some quality wins on your under your belt. You have a rest of the schedule to go. You got some confidence. You got a great running game, good offensive line. Defensively, you're going to make some plays. Keep I an mean, eye on the Fighting Hawks. And and again, with uh, we'll interested to see how far Sam Houston State drops in the FCS stats poll. Again, we'll, we will get to. Craig Haley's list. Yeah, he has his ballot that came out. His ballot. He, he, we. This is why we love Craig. He releases everything early. It's yeah, fantastic. He's like, here you are. Just, just use this for your own, for your own thoughts and and process. At Craig Haley is his Twitter account. Follow him. Also follow at FCS underscore stats. And don't forget to follow Athlon Sports if you aren't doing that. Yeah, already. Craig does a lot of good work over there. I just can't wait to. I saw it, pre, uh, pretty briefly, but we'll dive into it after the break. But yeah, he he does a great job of putting out his list early. And showing his work. Yeah. How many top 25 voters, FBS, FCS, D2, D3, NAIA, don't put out their, their ballot? How but be the, probably be the main ones criticizing how could so-and-so be ranked top, you know, whatever. How, how, can it, some, how many so-called experts actually, you know, how many of them actually show you their book? Exactly. That's the question. So Craig does that, and we really appreciate him for that. Let's move into this segment, though. Let's talk about some of the game balls that we're handing out this week. Emery, why don't you start this off? We'll go back and forth. Three, two or three guys per person. We'll see who you're giving your first game ball to. Taron Christian, South Dakota State. 13 of 14. <laughs> 332 yards. Five touchdowns. That doesn't even make sense. They don't, you don't even have that great of a completion percentage <laughs> in practice where they let you catch the ball. So he did that against Arkansas Pine Bluff in a game that we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but Kudos to Christian for throwing the football all over the field. I believe that's called efficiency. Yes. First game ball for Making me. Making count. First uh, game ball to me. You know how I love the running game. You mm-hmm. know I love my option football or whatever. Joe Prothero from Cal Poly had a, this is what we call a workman's day. 43 carries. Damn. 228, three touchdowns for Joe Prothero in his game this week. I mean, we talked about what the impact was going to be when he came back for Cal Poly. He's proving it week in and week out. He's looking at a massive season, and he's probably getting on some draft radars now at this point. Did they win? Oh, yeah, they won. Don't worry about how Did they win? I'm asking. Did they win? Because, you know, I, I want to find Four, out. 44-15 over Brown. All right, just making sure. I want to make sure the, the effort was there 
uh, it w- was reflected on the scoreboard because the guy I'm giving the game ball to coming from the backfield, they their team actually won, and that's Marquise Terry of Southeast Missouri State. Mm. They beat Southern Illinois, which was a really good game, 48-44, to 30 carries, 311 yards, <laughs> 10.4 yards a carry, four <laughs> rushing touchdowns. He was the reason why they won the game. Can I select him in fantasy for next week? Just <laughs> goodness, just, just just out of the blue. Next one I'm going to I'm going again a little bit off the beaten path to Northwestern State. Shelton Epler, the quarterback for Northwestern State, 27 to 48, 474, six touchdowns for this young man in what was a I mean it was a typical Southland game. Yeah. Let, let's be honest, 49 48 over Lamar, but. Um, Again, you need a guy that's going to be able to make the plays when you need it. Epler did that against Lamar, for sure. Shout out to Northwestern State and also Southeast Missouri State because two teams that were flying on the radar coming into the season have quietly posted some impressive victories. Southeast Missouri State's just... Shh, it's okay. It was, well, we're going uh, uh, to wander around over here. The so. Red Hawks have been you know, quiet. I, I'll give another game ball to wide receiver Nahari Crawford of Duquesne. 11 receptions, 223 yards, 20.3 yards of reception. That's Flipper Anderson type numbers and two touchdowns in a 31 to 26 dub over Dayton. That's impressive. Now I'm going to go. I'm going to go way off the beaten track for this next one, because as much as we like guys who play their position well, people that can play multiple positions well, okay, are very very key. So I'm going to give my last game ball to Steve McShane of Western Illinois, and here's why: six carries for 18 yards. He's a wide receiver. Nine catches for 77 and a touchdown. Also had a punt return for a TD in the same game of 50-plus 50, 50 yards. That is a good day of work on the football field. <laughs> they needed all those points for him to win. And speaking of <laughs> needing points to win, my last game ball actually goes to Dartmouth's defense. The only shutout in the FCS this past week. Wow. 41 to nothing over Georgetown. They allowed 40 yards rushing, picked off two passes, and only allowed 72 yards passing. Whew. Complete dominance. And how's that Georgetown offense looking now? Well, they have some <laughs> questions to answer. They have a big game coming up this week against Columbia. One that's always entertaining, the Lou Little Cup. Uh, the coach, Lou Little, that used to coach for both squads. Interesting factoid there I just factoid. dropped on you. Uh, they play also for the Lou Little Trophy. But Dartmouth's defense, shutting out Georgetown. It is so hard in college football to get a shutout. Princeton didn't shut out Butler. Right, right. There are teams where you know uh, Moorhead State scored forty, you know, against a yeah. team in Austin P. There's good. There's games where you know the team is really overmatched and it's hard to shut out. Kennesaw State allowed thirteen to Alabama State. Yeah. So for Dartmouth to get a complete shutout of a Division One team is Huge. Even Kudos F- to the yeah. Big Green. Even FBS teams, when they're you know the SEC team is playing the SWAC, mm-hmm. they, even they allow you know at least three. Yeah. So you know shutout is a massive, massive factor. We talked about shutouts. Let's get into blowouts because <laughs> there were a couple. Ba- basketball season doesn't start for another few weeks. I think was it October, maybe November. Basketball season gets underway. You you could have fooled some people with some of the score lines we saw, and a couple you would expect. You have the number two and number three teams in the country put up numbers. But Davidson, 91-61 over D2 Guilford. That D3. D3 Guilford. So even more, is that impressive, embarrassing? Is that, wh- what would you call that one exactly? Well, depending on what side of the, the, the field you're standing on, <laughs> it's embarrassing for Davidson's defense. What defense? Exactly. Did their bus break down on the way to the... <laughs> well, they were evacuated for the hurricane and wanted to play that game quickly, so... You could maybe. Be, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So, but all jokes aside, I told you guys on this podcast about the Lex Vegas offense. <laughs> 91 he did. He did. points. Duggar, the running back for Davidson, was great last year. Wesley Duggar. And you put him in this offense, he's going to do phenomenal things. And they got off the bus ready to go. And Duggar had, what, a big... A big, so many people had big games. He had one, he went for one eighty six. They also had another running back that went for one sixty eight. <laughs> so there you have it. But this was huge, and and the reason why this, you know, we talk about big scores. I kind of wanted to, them to get a hundred. You know, I wanted <laughs> yeah. to see a hundred. If they were going back and forth, I wanted to see a hundred. But ninety one points, ten rushing touchdowns as a team, unbelievable, unreal. But let's talk about the 
the ones that were not as entertaining. At right. Least for, we, we had to start. That was the appetizer. At least for one side of the ball. Uh, James Madison, number two in the country. We, we were wondering, you know, oh, they haven't really showed up. Well, Robert Morris came to town, and all of a sudden they showed up 73-7. to But that, it's amazing. You put up 73 points. You win the game by almost 70 points. And it's not the biggest blowout of the weekend because South Dakota State over Arkansas Pine Bluff, 90-6. to That lead, I mean, now this is, now this is, as we're laughing over here, but there's no laughing going on, on the other side of those score lines. We can tell you that. Now, I know you're opinionated on this issue, and it's become an issue in all levels of football. Right. Especially in high school football, and now it's going into college. Running up the score is that, you know, is it a thing, number one? And number two, is it something that should be discouraged? Because, I mean, again, if you're Arkansas Pine Bluff, I mean, or Robert Morris, or maybe not so much Guilford. I mean, they still put up 61. They're they're fine with that. They're fine. They're fine with that. I mean, that, that is... I mean that that's not that's a shot to your ego. That's a shot to I mean that that's almost dishonor. Is really what it is. But is there such a thing as running up the score? And is it is it really a problem? This is what I hate about football and the way people. Are we going to go politically correctness here? Is no, this? we're going to go all in hot takery. Yes, and we're going to just give you guys just laying out the facts here. If we're in a boxing match, and I'm I'm jabbing you in the face, right? Mm-hmm. And you just stand there taking the jabs in the face. No one is going to say, oh, well, uh, you know, Emory ran up the score on, on, on Dave by punching him in the face constantly. They're going to say, why hadn't Dave punched back or moved or blocked or something like that, right? I'm too, I'm too fast. You wouldn't be able to hit me. But continue, <laughs> your, continue your example. The same rules apply in football. As long as you put 11 able-bodied human beings out there on the field, there's no such thing as running up the score. That almost implies that you can score at will. Now, when you say people can or offenses can score at will, you're talking about that metaphoric, metaphorically, theoretically, virtually, but not <laughs> actually, right? Right. So, I think, and think about it from. So, there's no such thing as run up score, but think about it from this point of view. All right, Taron Christian, thirteen to fourteen, three hundred thirty-two yards, five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They take him out the game. You have a team of what? Uh, you have a college football team of 120 players. 65 or so scholarship players on, on, on the FBS, I believe, 63, I believe, 85 at the FBS level. When you look at development, yeah, Taron Christian is a senior. Right. And he's a great one. He's going to be a pro player. But I also have to think long term. If I'm the coach and I have to, you know, get my guy, I, the only way I can get my guys ready to, to play game action is by live game action. Yeah. And so I'm not going to take out Taron Christian, put in my backup quarterback, and run the ball all day. Just have him hand up. How is he getting game experience? Yeah, I have to throw the football. I'm not gonna put in my backup wide receivers and then turn it to to, to goddamn Navy and have them <laughs> block all day. No, <laughs> they're gonna run routes. My backup quarterback is gonna find them, throw the football. You have a defense. Yeah, I'm not here to to worry about your feelings. Yeah, we are grown young adults. There's no such thing as run up the score. And on a, on the flip side, you should be. Where's your pride? Yeah. If someone yeah. said, oh, we're going to take a knee for, for three quarters because we don't want run up the score, I would feel worse. I would rather you play your offense. I'm going to play my defense. We're going to figure this thing out. If we lose 145 to nothing, then damn it, we lost 145 to nothing. we got to figure things out. But you have to find ways to, to be competitive and make plays. These are the situations that coaches talk about constantly. Yeah. And, you know, here's a practical situation. How do you deal with adversity? How do you come back when you're down big? How do you find the motivation to play when a team is kicking your tail throughout the course of this ball game? There is no such thing as run up the score. When you're out there, you're playing. You didn't think the backup quarterback for James Madison and South Dakota State didn't relish the opportunity to get in there and, and actually make throws in the college football game or the backup offensive line. We got a chance to both pass, protect, and run block. Yeah, backup running back got a chance to tote the ball and, and pass protect. That's valuable game experience that you can't really get in practice. And here's an opportunity to get it in an actual game. And as a coach, here's a chance to get guys that may be further down on the depth chart, maybe a third or fourth string or some walk-ons. You could put them in the game and allow them to get some reps. Yeah. Now you have your whole team in tune to what's going on. Now when you go back to practice that following week, 
every guy is like, hey, I got to play. And now everybody's buying into the message. Everybody's practicing harder. Everybody's going to give it their all. And now you have a better team going out next week just because you were able to get them some game action in this blow. So anybody that says there's something to the fact that you are running up the score is straight bogus, is bullshit. You know, there's nothing you can say, to me at least, to say that somebody is willfully beating your tail. Like, yeah. you have a defense out there, play better defense, recruit better players, put guys in better position, be a better coach. Don't blame me for running my offense, and I just so happen to be better than you on that given day. Yeah, I mean, look at, if you look at Jamie, they went three quarterbacks deep, by the way. Three different guys had, got the chance to throw the ball. You had seven different guys with rushing attempts. Nobody had more than ten rushing attempts. Seven different guys got carries for the JMU offense. So, you talk again, you talk about that depth problem. Is it really a problem? I mean, if you're able to go seven or eight running backs deep, that's fine with me. You know, if I'm a coach, I'm, okay, this is what we got. Yeah, as you said, with a whole bunch of freshmen or red shirts or, you know, whatever you want to do, okay, they're going to be able to run the ball. I mean, you look at Robert Mars. I mean, we know this is a program that has not had a lot of success either. So <laughs> you better get some way to motivate your guys. They went three-quarter back deep, too. They all threw a pick. So we all, you know you got a problem with the quarterback position. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy because – with the rules now that you could you could play a guy up to what four games and still redshirt him, yeah. imagine the benefit of bringing in a true freshman, giving him some game action, and still having the benefit of, of redshirting him. So now going into the spring, he has game experience. He still has that added year. Yeah, this is a great scenario. He played as a true freshman and he redshirted, and now you have a, a freshman with experience. You don't normally have that uh, in college football. And I feel bad for, for South Dakota State's head coach having to come out and basically issue an apology saying he probably should have, you know, played it differently or, you know, I, I should have taken it. No, you did the right thing, man. Like, don't apologize. There's no such thing as run up the score. You did the right thing. You got your guys reps. You took your starters out. And you just ran your offense with your backups. If you can't stop my backups, that's a you problem and not a me problem. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you see that in high school all the time, where you see coaches go bringing freshmen into ball games that have never played before, and they're just uh, like, "What am I supposed to do? I'm giving you every opportunity to stop me. I'm going freshman at every position, and you can't do anything about it." Hey, sorry, not my problem, folks. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about whose team stocks are going up, whose team stocks are going down. We're going to be economists, football economists, for for a segment of the show. We're going to talk about some teams that are in trouble. And then we have, of course, our big games of the week that we will be previewing here. For the rest of them, you'll have to watch the videos. That's all we got to say. we got to watch the videos for the rest. If your team is not mentioned, they're probably mentioned somewhere else. That's all I'm saying. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. About changing careers. Well, now is the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Again, I am David Hassing with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. You can listen back to any of our podcasts all the way back to the preview shows on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Subscribe while you're over there. We love that you guys listen in every single week. We love that you guys keep coming back, which is fantastic. But again, if there's something else you want to hear, you just want us to cover, let us know. Anything we can do to improve this experience for you guys, you're the guys that you're the people that keep us up and going, so let us know what we can improve on. Again, folks, you can go to youtube.com as well slash football game plan to watch all of Emery's videos over there where he'll do his weekly previews, his upset alerts, which he doesn't provide over here. He never goes into, I, I keep wanting him to make an upset alert prediction on the podcast. He refuses to do so. So 
it is what it is. But again, you can follow it there and go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge. Let's move into the second half of the show, Emery, and let's 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 go into the stock market a little bit. Let's go into the stock market. Whose stock is up, whose stock is down? Because there's plenty of both after this week. And let's start with one of the games we mentioned in the upset segment, North Dakota and Sam Houston State. How high is the stock right now going up for North Dakota? And how much of a drop do you really expect out of Sam Houston? Well, North Dakota stock is up. Yeah. Obviously. They're 2-1. and one. They just knocked off top 10 team, top 5 team in Sam Houston State. I think their stock up because they have all... Their socks up because they have all of the ingredients needed to be successful in college football. Run game, defense. As an independent. As an independent. So they're going to have to have their stock up because they have to get that at-large bid. And with the way conferences like the CAA is looking, the Southland Conference is looking, <laughs> yeah. heck, the Big Sky, so the con. Big South, SoCon, it's a tough battle to get an at-large bid as an independent. Um, but they have, they, they have the ingredients. So I say their stock is up. Sam Houston... Their stock, I think, is steady. It's steady. easy for me to, to say their stock is down, but this is still Casey Keeler, the head coach. Right. This is still Sam Houston State's offense. They are still super talented, so they're going to have a chance, and they play in the most forgiving conference right. to, to get back into good graces. You know, Sam Houston State, yeah, they, they nearly lost to uh, Prairie View. Um, you know, they took this L against North Dakota. They haven't even gotten into the conference play yet. Yeah, exactly. So their stock is steady. And in, by the way, independent teams so far this season five and three. North Alabama and now North Dakota are two and one. Our, start. And our Hampton Pirates <laughs> are one and one. I mean, like I know they're I know they're looking ahead to that SUNY Maritime game. Don't look forward to it. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the next game. This was again a game that, that some people would not you know recognize at all. You know, wouldn't even look to Jackson State though. A nice win for their program, eighteen sixteen over Florida A and M. Is this a big downer for the Rattlers, or is this one of these growing pain games? This is the way they lost this game. This is a big time downer hmm. for FAMU. They had the ball inside the the what the ten yard line. Yeah, what a chance! And and totally botched the clock situation and couldn't get a play. I'll get the field goal in time to win the game. Yeah, they sh- first of all this game shouldn't have been close. Second of all, you botched the the end of the situation, the end of the game. And you lose to Jackson State. Now, Jackson State is coming off of two weeks of a layoff because their game the previous week against Tennessee State was canceled. Right. Because of uh, weather. So, Jacksonville State's stock is steady. Jackson State. Jackson State, I'm sorry. Yep. Stock is still steady because uh, we still don't know enough about Hell Mummy's offense and right. uh, Jackson State's defense. Now, I will say this to slow down this FAMU offense great job defensively and we know coach Hughes the head coach is a defensive guy right. Tony Hughes is a defensive guy so their defense has been good and it was good in this game uh, but offensively you want to see more so I say their stock is steady they haven't played a, a conference game yet in the SWAC for FAMU a team that we know how tough the MEAC is and everyone is really fighting for number two because number two and if you impress could get you in that large bid in the playoffs. Right. If you upset number one, you're in a celebration bowl. I thought this was a big-time loss for them. Um, now that puts them back. They are, what, one and two now? Their stock is down. Let's move into this next game. And this one this one is a little bit in the, in the upside down for me. Monmouth versus Lafayette. Now, Monmouth got the win 24-20. For me, the stock that's going up is Lafayette. And Monmouth is the one going down. Because you look at Lafayette, they're playing a team in the Big South with a quarterback who's still going into, what, his sophomore season, I believe, with O'Malley. They almost knocked off a team that made the postseason last year. So for Lafayette, you know what? That's a, gro- that's a growth game right there for me. For but Monmouth, you're in trouble. Here are the facts. Lafayette lost the game. So? They're 0-3. So? They have no stock. <laughs> so they're in the Ivy League. I think they have a stock somewhere. Well, their defense has given up 96 points. Their offense scored a lot of points this week. They've played three games. So their offense is over over the course of the season. But the defense has improved, though. Eh. Only allowing 24 to Monmouth? We know what Monmouth can do when they have their have To their me, day. Monmouth's stock is starting to slightly trend downward. Yeah. I'm worried about Monmouth. I'm worried about their defense. I am not worried about their running game with Guerrero. 
the outstanding tailback. I'm not worried about Kenji Bahar. Definitely not worried about Reggie White Jr. Also not worried about Jake Powell, the tight end. Their defense, what a loss Mike Basile was uh, to graduation. Yeah. You know, he seems to be the linchpin yeah. that held that defense together. They are giving up a ton of points and a ton of big plays. And I think that right there, especially, and I, granted, I'm on the broadcast this week against Princeton, but you would have to be worried about that game considering what we just saw Princeton do to Butler, considering what the offensive weapons look like for the Tigers. Definitely. Let's move on to another team here, Eastern Kentucky. Now, this is a team that you were high on going into this season. They almost pulled off one of the shocks of the weekend, only lost 42-35 to Bowling Green of the FBS. The Colonels are going to be a force to be reckoned with the rest of this season. I think their stock is up. I would agree. And here's why. Because no one in the OVC has played a conference game yet. So they are 1-2 and out of conference. They're 1-2 on the season. This thing is winnable for them. We saw weaknesses in Jacksonville State. We see a little bit of weakness in Austin Peay's defense. Yeah. Tennessee State is kind of inconsistent. Southeast Missouri State seems to be in the same boat as Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. So you got to like their stock, man. Their stock has to be up because their offense looks good this year. And if you guys are listening to the preseason OVC podcast here, mm-hmm. as you should have been, we would have told you, well, we you'd have heard that we were high on Eastern Kentucky because of the recruits they were bringing in. Right. So we always are ahead of the curve here at the F6 <laughs> kickoff. But I'm telling you this, their stock is up. I think that's a team that's going to make things very interesting in the Ohio Valley Conference. Let's move on to the next one here. Western Carolina, 28-10 over Gardner-Webb. Starting to, stock starting to recover a little bit, or is it still kind of neutral sliding maybe a little bit? What, where, where, where are they at? Here are the facts again. They won the game. They are 2-0. and Indeed. They have one. They are one of two teams that are undefeated in the SoCon right now. The other one being Chattanooga. So, now granted, Wofford played Wyoming in a game they should have won. Yes. So, Wofford is good. And Western Carolina's beating Newberry and Gardner-Webb. Yes. So, those are the facts, too. Those are the facts, Those too. are the facts, too, right? Uh, and you bring up a great point. I love Tyree Adams, the quarterback. Big fan of his. But? They have to show me something against, you know, uh, I don't want to say a real team because all teams are real. <laughs> Well, well, week three, they got VMI, so... So we won't learn anything this week. <laughs> so, okay. Their stock has to be steadied in. Yeah. Because after that VMI game, they hit Murder's Row. At Furman, at Samford, home with Chattanooga, at Mercer. Then the season starts after VMI. <laughs> so, Shout out to the Kedas, though. I like their uniform. So we'll see what happens with Western Carolina. And the last team on here, Montana State, 47-24 over Wagner. Montana State, we, we've been impressed with them so far. But is their stock shooting up, or is it just a gradual gradual upward swing right now? They are on the radar now because I thought Wagner was going to win this game because Montana State had, you know, again, their quarterback uh, right before the season opener ineligible or, or sitting out the season to get his grades right, and their backup quarterback we didn't know much about. He had a good week, then a terrible week. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, they're inconsistent. We don't know. Wagner's coming in with their ground game. Defensively, they did a great job. So – now you look at where they stand. Again, they haven't played a conference game yet. They're two and one out of conference. Yeah. That's to me, that's slowly pushing their stock up a little bit. We saw Montana lose. We saw Weber State pull off an upset. Yeah, over South Dakota, which Which was huge. Yeah. You know, and Sacramento State seems like that team we talked about in our Big Sky preview and that Northern Colorado too. Again, so I think you kind of have to start to take stock a little bit in what Montana State is building. And the Bobcats do a great job of – they have been one of the better programs, I believe, and kind of moving pieces around. Uh, guys get injured. Guys miss time. They've done a good job of developing guys, and the next man that steps in usually plays well. Yeah. So credit their coaching staff, their program. That's a team that is going to also make – they're the Eastern Kentucky, in my opinion, of the big sky. Keep an eye on the Bobcats. But better. Let's talk about those. some of the teams, the stocks that are way down. And these are the teams in trouble going into week four. What Which teams do you have in the biggest trouble at this point in the season? 
I think Albany is in big trouble. I know a lot of people had a lot of hope for Albany coming into this season. Uh, they were getting guys back healthy. They have the recipe for success. They can run the football. They can play good defense. But we've seen that kind of fall to the wayside so far. They're in trouble. Yep. But, but I believe the team that's really in trouble in the CAA is New Hampshire. Yeah. 0-3, winless, without their starting quarterback. They have to find that magic that they found last year, man. Otherwise, they could really miss the playoffs for the first time in, what, 13 years? So, yeah, it was some, it's some ridiculous. It, it's not to 20 yet, but it's somewhere in the middle of the teens. But, I mean, with UNH, obviously, last week they had Colorado, and the Buffs are having Yeah, a, you could throw that game out. The Buffs are having a very good season. But this next week, another road test at Elon. That's going to be one of those – because, again, Elon – again, the CAA is wild. Right. Elon – was great last year. They've kind of slipped a little bit this year. They're kind of in that middle of, you know, there's still, again, it's, it's like a it's like an eight-man cage match is really what it is. <laughs> you don't know who's going to emerge until right at the very end of the match. At this point, there's Elon's right in that mix. New Hampshire, when they're healthy, should be part of that mix. We know that. They aren't healthy. And they're having a hard time adjusting to those losses. You got Elon. I mean, that's going to be a tough game. If they don't beat Holy Cross in Week Five, at home, forget about it. It's over. I don't care if they go, they win out the rest of the year and go seven, seven, seven to five after losing the first five games. There's no way, no way that they can survive that. So they have to beat Elon this week. I got Northern Arizona in here too. Now, yeah, the, here's the thing: the the obviously Case Cookus had the injury, left in Week Two. He was a game time decision for for Week Three. So the fact that he was a game-time decision and he was not definitely out, they decided to rest him for that third game, that tells me, okay, it's not as serious as what we thought it could have been with him. He should be back this week. Now the question is, is he going to be the same guy? (laughs) Is he going to be the same guy that he was last year when he was tremendous, the way he started this season? If he comes back and recovers, Northern Arizona is on the spectrum of trouble. They're, They're the one that are teetering on the cliff. But they've, they've still got like three wheels still on, on, the, on the cliff edge right now. So if it, all it takes, though, is one more fall for Northern Arizona, and it's big problem. The fact that you said he was a game-time decision is, is interesting. The reason being is the fact that that means the staff probably thought, oh, we could rest him against Missouri State. Oh, absolutely. That, 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 and you know Missouri State's looking at that saying, okay. All right, that's fine. Wow. So that that's <laughs> this is the things you learn when you go to FCS stats. They have this knowledge. Like, I, you know who else? You, you mentioned Holy Cross when you're talking about uh, New Hampshire. I will put Yale in trouble already. Already in week one. Week one in for the for the Ivy, huh? Because I wanted to see how they were going to operate without Joe Conlon, who's their OC, who's now the head coach at Fordham. Mm. Now they were. They got out the door gangbusters against Holy Cross. And shout out to Coach Bob Chesney rallying the troops, having his Crusaders stay true to form, yep. came back, pushed the game to overtime, and won it. Yeah, This is a situation where you can let one loss become two if you're Yale because that was a huge loss. Yeah. It's your opener. You had a lead, a big lead, and you let a team come back, pushing it to overtime, and they ended up winning. So I worry about Yale because juxtaposed to what we saw in week one from the rest of the Ivy League, you got to worry about Dartmouth. Columbia's there. We know Princeton has all the firepower. Yes. Yes. Harvard looks to be returned back to, to form. Somehow. So <laughs> Against what the experts thought. Right. I mean, so I, I would put a little bit of concern with Yale because they you can't lose another game in the Ivy League. I know this was an out-of-conference game, but my goodness. Yeah. You know, the rest of the conference looks good. One more team that's in trouble for me, too, is Bucknell for me. Because, all right, week one, they're facing William & Mary. You know, who had a down year last year, but still a CAA opponent, only lost by seven points. That was, you know, okay, whatever. That's a decent game. They've now lost back-to-back games against Sacred Heart and Penn, 30-14, 34-17. If this is the kind of defense that Bucknell's going to put out against the rest of their schedule, I, I don't see any path for them to even get to 500 because Villanova's next, then they got Holy Cross, then they got Colgate, then they got Monmouth. And they still have to play Lehigh down at the bottom of the schedule. 
So Bucknell, I think, is in big, big trouble going into week four at Villanova. You know who else may be in trouble? I, I think – and, and this is gonna sound weird. He's smiling. But, uh, yeah, because I, I, I have I have a take coming. Okay. Duquesne and Bryant may be in trouble. The reason why, Sacred Heart looks good. They do. They do look very good. So, and we know how the committee will look at a, a conference like the Northeast Conference and find reasons to pick apart. Well, they're not that good. But, Duquesne is winning. Bryant is winning. But they're yeah. Right, you know, it's but oh. Sacred Heart is undefeated, and when you look at let's say a team like Indiana State, Missouri State playing some good ball, yep. and you figure South Dakota will rebound and find its way back into the mix. That's going to make things tough for, especially when we just talked about North Dakota being an independent. Yeah, it's going to make things tough for the Northeast Conference to be a two-team bid this year. Yeah, so with how strong Sacred Heart looks defensively again. Shout out to head coach Mark Nofrey, striking the right chord, getting his defense back to what it has been under his tutelage. They look strong. Yeah. And that could spell doom for Bryant if they can't get it turned around defensively and Duquesne. Because Duquesne struggled with Dayton like we talked about. Yeah. Duquesne has not looked impressive in their wins. So let's get into the games coming up for week four. Let's get into my games first. The first, the telling game of the weekend, and I said you're going to like this one. Samford at Chattanooga. Now, the mocks have come back from the dead. The last two years, Chattanooga has been pretty mediocre, if not flat-out bad. They were bad last year. They were Last year, they were bad. We know what we get from Samford, but Samford is coming off a pretty tough loss to Mercer. But Chattanooga's undefeated. So, this is going to tell us a lot about what the... what. You know, because again, Wofford looks really good. Wofford looks really good again yeah. in the SoCon. They look like the class of that conference at this point. I still think Sanford is up there with them. But Chattanooga, all of a sudden, is saying, um, we're over here. Can you talk about us a little bit? So that's going to be a game I think we could easily watch and, dare I say, upset alert for Sanford? Well, would it be an upset if Chattanooga is just flat out better? Because this would make a game that this would give them the ever so important extra win in conference, too. See, that's the thing, though. We don't know where they are better. That's good. what. See, this is why it's the telling game. Moving on to the trap game, <laughs> you're really going to like this one. Hampton at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa in their cozy little dome in the Missouri Valley Conference, who have not looked impressive, by the way, but you still expect them to win against a team coming out of the MEAC, but it's Hampton, and we know what they're going through. So I'm just saying, this is a trap game for Northern Iowa, and this could sink their season, too. Man, I am totally not thinking this is a trap game. <laughs> like Hampton, and, and to no fault of their own, uh, they're dealing with unique situations this year. And if they go out there and lay an egg against Northern Iowa, I will completely understand it. Right? They would remember we talked about this in the preseason. They would have had to run the table in their FCS slate. Um, to have an outside shot to playoffs because they got like a Division three, and you know they, had, they run a full yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so this is going to be a tough game. I don't think this is a trap game for them. The trap game I would say is in one of our preview games uh, with Central Connecticut State and Fordham. We'll get to that one in a second here. Let's go to the unsung games. I got two unsung games of the weekend. One of which is right in our backyard, Monmouth at Princeton. This one could be a barn burner easily. This could also be a massive win for Princeton in their out-of-conference schedule. The other one, though, we talked about how good Eastern Kentucky is. They're at home with Southeast Missouri State this week. Wow, look how fitting. Like, the two upstarts. That, that is a massive, massive game for those both of those schools if they want to get an at-large bid. Yeah, I, I mean, funny how the schedule works itself out, doesn't it? Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Absolutely They knew perfect. it was going to happen. Before we move on, like we promised in the open. Oh, yes, Mr. Craig Haley. Craig Haley's ballot. You ready for this? Because you haven't seen it. I have not seen this yet, folks. So let's, right. let's, let's see what we got So here. do you want me to go 1 through 25 or 25 to 1? Go 1 through 25. Obviously, his top five, North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State, Kennesaw, A&T. Do you agree? I would agree with that. I, I, think they're, I think they're all pretty much on the same platform. North Dakota State's a little bit above everybody else. Go for it. Okay. 6 through 10, Eastern Washington, Wofford, Maine, McNeese, Villanova. 
Well, you know, I'm happy about that. I'm, I am a little surprised, though, to see Villanova staying at 10, where they were last week in the poll overall after their loss to Towson. But again, it's the CAA. We know Towson's better. So I'm a little surprised they're still in the top 10, but can't argue with you, Maine being up at 8. Shout out to Maine for also calling out UCF over the weekend. <laughs> that, was, that was fantastic. That was beautiful. Perfect. Here are 11 through 15. Go ahead. Elon, Jacksonville State, Weber State, Sam Houston State, Sanford are 11 through 15. Okay. I, again, I'm, I'm not – I actually, I'm okay with that group of five. I mean, I think, again, Sam Houston lost a tight game. We knew they were going to drop. The question is how much. I think in the actual poll they could drop a little bit further even. But I can, I can understand why Craig has them at 14. I love 16 through 20. Oh, boy. We got some, we got some, we got some meat to the bones we now. Got, we got some drama now going yeah, in? All right. Yes. Illinois State at 16. No one's talking about Illinois State. Quietly. Quietly, right? Quietly. I like Illinois State. Central Arkansas, impressive. Also quietly. Right. Montana, UC Davis, and my Rhode Island Rams. Rhode Island cracks the top 25. In, you know, in a way, I'm shocked. In another way, I'm not. It, 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 in another way, I'm not. I'm a little surprised to see him ha- have him putting them at number 20. I think they're in the top 25 somewhere, but I think in that last section, 21 through 25, 20 is a touch high for me yet. Give me one more week, but okay. I, I, <laughs> they're starting to listen to you, Emery. They almost knocked off UConn. They went back and forth points-wise. Yeah. If they beat UConn, they should be in the top 15. Whew. And um, See what happens when you get the blue check mark. People are starting to listen to you. Start listen, right? All <laughs> right. the last five? The last five. So that's 21 to 25. South Dakota, North Dakota, Mercer, Nichols, Towson. Wow. Now I'm shocked to see Towson that low. I'm shocked to see North Dakota in the top 25 as an independent. Well, That's, they beat a top five team. They did beat a top five team, and they aren't only two and one, but still, you have to you know weigh the facts there. But, ooh, Towson, yeah, Towson I think should be a little bit higher there. They, I, I, again, with the way that Flacco's playing, you're looking at a guy who's probably a finalist for the Walter Payton. That's the only part of this top 25 I would disagree with and we talk about a team that may be in trouble South Dakota South Dakota yeah South Dakota is if what we saw out of Missouri State is true and if what we saw out of Indiana State is true South Dakota can't afford any more losses no absolutely and I remember I didn't make a prediction that one of the Dakota teams was not making the postseason I didn't think it was going to be you did say that but I didn't think it was going to be South Dakota (laughs) (laughs) I'm being proved I think South Dakota State probably has my face with a little dartboard on it that's why they put up 90 um so, interesting top 25. Now, a name that we didn't see on there was Delaware. And that's one of my best games of the week. And it's funny because reading the comments, you know, they, they post comments underneath uh, yeah. the tweet. Keep sleeping on Delaware by somebody. Somebody po- posted that. Because Delaware goes up to Bisonland this week to take on North Dakota State. Again, I was almost gonna, I was tempted to put this as the telling game because we'll see how good Delaware really is. This could be an interesting test, and I've got an interesting one for you, too, as my other best game of the week. We're going out of division. BYU hosting McNeese. Yeah, that's on our upset special list in our video. Because BYU is having an excellent season in the FBS, but McNeese, we know what they can do when they're on their game. They still haven't started clicking on full cylinders. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Let's go into the games that we want to preview, though, real quick at the end of the show here uh, that Emery has for us. Harvard at Brown, again. Ivy League schedule is going into full effect. Brown coming off a big-time loss to Cal Poly in Week 1. Harvard looked decent in Week 1. What can we expect out of this ballgame? It's going to be interesting. I'll be at this game, uh, scouting this game as well. Um, interested to see how the offensive line looks for Harvard. I know they did a great job in trying to revamping that, and they got a new offensive line coach in, Coach Marino, who came over from Lehigh. We know the, the job he's done uh, with the Lehigh Mountain Hawks offensive front. I'm also interested to see the progress of the Brown Bears. Yeah. Quietly, Brown has uh, a, an NFL player in the the league now, Jarvis. Yeah. Who, uh, Dewey Jarvis, who was their def- – was he? did he win the Bucknell last year? Not Bucknell, the, the Bushnell last year? No, that was um, – Opplinger, right? Opplinger, yes. So he was up for – he was up for it uh, because of his TFLs, actually made a senior bowl too, and now is in the NFL. So Coach Estes has done a good job in developing pro talent. Right. It's time for the wins to start to add up. And if they get one here Friday night at 7 p.m. in Providence, that's yeah. a big deal. That's so I'm interested to see that one. Next one on the schedule here, Central Connecticut State taking on Fordham. Fordham is uh, 
not looked that good in the early going here. Central Connecticut State has had their struggles as well. This is going to be a big game for both programs to try to turn it around. The reason why I'm intrigued with this one is uh, we saw last week Luke Metlock, the quarterback, the senior quarterback, struggle. He struggled against Richmond. Yep. He has struggled so far this season. They put in the true freshman Tim DeMoret, who was one of our spotlight players on our high school football uh, recruiting roundup videos in the preseason. I wonder if they're going to put him in more in this ball game or if he's going to flat out get the start. Yeah. So it'll. he had a lot of hype coming in. Right. That was one of their landmark signings. So yeah. he's a big-time player. They have to find ways to, to generate offense. So we'll see. That's a game that I believe could be a trap game for Central Connecticut State. It's a must-win game for them, in my opinion. Absolutely it is. Elon at Charleston Southern. Now, Charleston Southern, again, you know, this is an air, one of the area that's dealing with the remnants of the hurricane. Hopefully this game can be played on their home field. Uh, we'll see what the conditions are there. But a big game for Elon, too, as they're trying to, again, it's a, it's it's more than a dogfight. It's almost like a wolf fight at this point in the middle of the CAA. Because <laughs> you got you can easily point to seven or eight teams that could win this division, including JMU. They're not exactly the all-out favorite here. But this is a must-win almost for Elon in order to stay in that race. Yeah, because you look at what they do well, um, they're balanced. They got really good defense. I, I'm a big fan of their linebacker, Warren Messer. Uh, but this Charleston Southern team is, is tricky, you know. Yeah. Very good team, solid uh, players they have. Yes, they're 0-1, but it was against an FBS opponent. Um, so I still don't know about Charleston Southern. That's why this game is intriguing to me, and that's why I made the list. Interesting game in the MEAC here next. Norfolk State at South Carolina State. We know Norfolk is a team that we looked at at the beginning of the season. They said that could be interesting. This will be their, really their first in-conference test. Yeah, and you look at right now in the MEAC, they're 1-1. One and, one, um, and we talk about teams, you know, battling for number two. It's kind of playing out like, you know, it's, you look at Bethune-Cookman, you look at Norfolk State, you know, as those two teams. Uh, Howard is 0-2. Central, we saw them get completely dismantled against yep. Prairie View. So, really, it's going to come down to Bethune, Cookman, and Norfolk State, probably for number two, with a chance to upset number one in, in North Carolina A&T. This is a game that I think could be considered a trap game. Yeah, I love Coach Pugh, Buddy Pugh, the head coach down there, coaching in his last season at South Carolina State, legend. He has put together a very good staff down there. Fred Ferry is calling the plays down there offensively mm-hmm. for South Carolina State. But Coach Latrell Scott doesn't get enough credit for the job he's done at Norfolk State recruiting, developing, and having his guys consistently ready to play. This could be a game where I think the rest of the MEAC starts to notice the job that the Spartans have uh, done um, with, the, with their football team. And Coach Latrell Scott is, is getting props for doing the things the right way. Move on to a couple games out west, and this is going to be this might be the intriguing game of the weekend. Eastern Washington, obviously a big favorite in this ball game, but they're hosting Cal Poly, and Joe Prothro, who again that kind of offense can give teams fits, especially when you don't see it very often. Does Eastern Washington have any trouble at all with Cal Poly, or is it going to be all Joe Prothro in order to get them to win this game? They have a problem because of the option. You know, they're coming off a game where they had to match against a team that's essentially the same team as them right? in Washington State. To go from that mentality to now having to play a discipline <laughs> yeah. game, I just watched this last weekend with Army in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it can be a pain, and it will be a pain. So we're going to learn a lot more about Eastern Washington's defense. I know their offense will be their offense. Right. But can they play discipline football for four quarters – to take away a few possessions from Cal Poly, and I know if they do that, their offense could capitalize. So you're right, very intriguing game here in the Big and, Sky. And Cal Poly is an interesting, it's an interesting case because they're an option team, but they have a feature back. Yes. You know, very option, you know, obviously the option, you're going with two or three backs in the backfield, you kind of distribute it evenly. There you have an option team with a feature back, but that also means you can give it to the ball to a guy like Prothero and say, get us the three yards to get us a first down. You know, we're not going to run an option on this play, it's you. If they can keep the ball in their possession and keep it away from that Eastern Washington high-flying offense, this one could come down to who has the ball last. Last game on the schedule here, North Dakota. Again, the stock is up. The stock is high. They're not going to have a problem with Idaho State. Trap game (laughs) alert. (laughs) Big-time trap game alert here, man. Trap game with a bengal in it. Exactly, right? I mean, even their logo has the the bengal with the 
sun behind him. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like a shiny, like, <laughs> trap game. So, yes, this is going to be interesting because you can have, you know how we always say teams let one loss become two. Mm-hmm. This could be a situation where a team is coming off a, a very emotional high. Man, we're be, we're the best team in this conference. We're, we're, so we're, we're the best independent team. We're about to get this at-large bid. We're going to run through our old conference. Oh, oh no. There's a time around the corner. Right. Here is you know, the situation. So I think I think we're learning a lot more about the Big Sky and it's being competitive. I like the Bengals program and how they're building it. Um, you know, we've seen this team be terrible, be really competitive, be good, get in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and now they're starting to work their way back. Interesting game for North Dakota. See how they respond. Interesting game indeed. Folks, that's gonna do us that's gonna do it for us here on the podcast. For more previews for all of Emory's upset alerts, don't forget to go out and check out youtube.com slash football game plan and footballgameplan.com. He's got all the videos coming up. Emery, where are you gonna be this week? I will be the radio color analyst this week for the Monmouth Princeton game. Ah, you get to experience it firsthand. You're yes, gonna, so gonna, I will be there at the game. I also, like I said before, I'll be at Tulsa Temple uh, that game on Thursday, Friday, uh, Howard Brown, um, and Saturday at Monmouth Princeton, uh, and also every now, Thursday morning and Friday morning on CBS Sports HQ, you can find me talking NFL and college football with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell, and on Friday, it will be with the CBS Sports HQ crew. Um, and that's early in the month. So yeah, that's 7.30 on Thursday a.m. Eastern Time and 8.40 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday. Man gets verified, and all of a sudden, he's on two different shows, three different networks. Everybody wants a piece of this art, man. Give, give me the blue check mark already. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening in. We'll enjoy your week four action. We'll come back for you with week five. Thanks for listening in.